0: Okay, before I get to my next guest, Susie Whaley, I was talking with Eddie Dry, VP of Domestic Sales for Strixon Cleveland Golf, at the PGA Merchandise Show earlier this year, and I said, Eddie, I like your CBX full-face wedges. How can they help an average player like me play better? Here's what he had to say.
1: An average player, I use one, and I'm in some lies that you can't even believe, and I need all the help I can get, and the face is bigger, and the grooves go all the way up and all the way out to the toe. So if you hit it on the toe, you miss it, bam, there's a groove. So I like that. So I carry a 58.
0: There you have it, folks. Try the new CBX full-face wedges from Cleveland Golf. I want to tell you about something else I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show, and that's me and my golf. And they're offering 10% off their brand-new range of training aids. I visited their booth and loved their breaking ball putting mat, which allows you to practice breaking putts at home on a traditional putting mat. I've got mine right here in my studio. They've just launched their own golf glove, and they're offering Next on the Tee listeners 10% off the whole range. Use code CHRIS10 for 10% off. That offer expires March 31st of this year. Check out their great array of training aids online at meandmygolf.com. With many years in the business, menswear brand Construct has finally launched its green golf collection, sustainably produced using renewable solar energy and recycled fabrics. Hit your best shot in their performance-enhancing polos, quarter zips, and bottoms. Made with four-way stretch, quick dry, and UV 50-plus protection. From solids to bold, eye-catching designs, Construct Green is the perfect piece for making the best memories on the greens. And the best part? You can head to construct.com and that's C O N X S T R U C T dot com and use code Chris for twenty percent off the green collection today. Okay, now next on the tee with me is Susie Whaley. Let me remind you a little bit about Susie's background. She's from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. She played her college golf at the University of North Carolina, where she lettered all four years, and she helped the team to win several team titles, including two Duke Spring Invitational. She graduated with her degree in economics. She played on the LPGA Tour for a few years in the early 90s. In 2003, she became the first woman to qualify to play in a PGA Tour event since Babe Diedrich Zaharias did it in 1945. She qualified by winning the Connecticut PGA Championship. She won just about every tournament there is to win in the state of Connecticut, including the Women's Open three times. She's competed in the USGA Senior Women's Open and the Senior PGA Championship. She's annually recognized as one of Golf Magazine's Top 100 instructors, as well as a Top 50 instructor by Golf Digest and the LPGA. She is a PGA Master Professional. She was recently the first female president of the PGA of America. Last summer, she was inducted into the Connecticut Golf Hall of Fame. She's doing an outstanding job now as a broadcaster. She's now the president of Golf Nation, which is an exciting new golf platform, which we'll talk about here in just a moment. And I couldn't be more honored to have her back with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Susie, thanks for coming back on the show. How are you, Chris?
1: I'm fantastic. You? I am great. I am in Augusta, Georgia at the Augusta National Women's Amateur, and uh, they tee off starting tomorrow. So really excited to be here.
0: Yeah, and I'll be there on Saturday. I'm looking forward to the final the final round there at Augusta National. It's always to me it's it's and I've been the last several years. It's a, it's a wonderful event, but I tell you what, uh I walk away from that feeling bad about myself because these young ladies hit it so much further than I ever could. I watch them out there and I'm like I, I this is not good for my ego. <laughs>
1: well uh you know their prowess is undeniable and it's exciting to watch the best amateur female golfers in the world
0: yes it is uh let's start let's start our time by talking about golf nation i had uh, nick buzzle on the show last fall happy birthday to him by the way today's his birthday um let's talk about what's coming up it's it's such an exciting new platform and i love your show by the way we'll talk about that a little bit more as well but it's very exciting what you guys are doing. Catch us up with what's going on at Golf Nation.
1: Yeah, we'll do. Yeah, Golf Nation, exciting platform. I've been with them about a year. We are a startup. We're golf entertainment where we have commerce involved in it. We are really just showcased in the community of the game. We're helping brands tell their stories through episodic uh, seasonal content. And it's really exciting. We We are filming as we speak. We have shows. We did a really small sneak peek in December on the web. We launch in a couple weeks on app, uh, and then we'll go to our brand partners and be on Apple TV, uh, and then hopefully Q4, uh, Hulu, Roku, and you'll be able to watch golf entertainment television, stream it anywhere you want, mobile device, and we'll have a couple fast channels. So uh, it's really exciting, and I'm thrilled to be a part of it.
0: Let's talk about your show. And I watched the first episode. You had Zach and Kim Johnson on. That was a lot of fun. Don't I Know You is the name of the show. Talk about that and when we can look forward to more episodes.
1: Yes, yeah, so we're filming more episodes as we speak. And Don't I Know You is just a fun spin-off, fun takeoff on, for those of us that are my age, the newlywed game. Um, where We're just kind of interacting with people who are involved in the game in a fun and exciting way. Um, And I get to ask all the questions. So I am the host, (laughs) much like you, Chris. And, you know, that makes my whole day because we're going to have caddies together. We're going to have spouses together, partners together. We're going to have a few people together that you wouldn't imagine would be together that we're going to ask some cool questions to Um, just to give you a little inside access into their worlds and and humanize them a little bit. I think we see people uh, on television and on our mobile devices and They're not quite reachable. And we're hopeful that we bring them into your living room. We want to own the living room. We want you to be a part of it with us. um, And we want you, when you think about golf uh, beyond championship golf, we want you to tune into us. we want to be HGTV and want to be the food network for golf.
0: There you go. That sounds like fun. Susie, let's switch gears a little bit. I know you you heard the end of uh, when Tim Simpson was on the show. Obviously the the golf world is all abuzz buzz right now about the possibility of rolling the golf ball back for the elite player. How do you feel about that idea?
1: yeah, i don't agree with him <laughs> um i you know for me i I enjoy i'm into golf entertainment. I like to be entertained and and I think the game is at its height. I think it's at the most popular it's ever been, and I think rolling uh, the golf ball back uh, is not in the best interest of of the game. I think the fun part about the game is we're one of the few sports that gets to purchase and buy the equipment that tour players use. And we get to feel a part of the game like they are. I like to watch people bomb it. Um, I like to see, um, I like to see the LPGA bomb it. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I don't see every single golf course at 30 under par at this point. I certainly think the ball goes far enough where it is today. I would love to see a cap on it. But um, I have no interest in um, seeing the ball rolled back. I think that many courses have figured out a way to make sure that those scores don't get out of control if that's what they're interested in. And I think if that's the case, we have ways to do it. We can agronomy wise, we can be a little bit more sustainable and not manicure everything so perfectly. We can bring fairways in, we can we can do a lot to make um, the play more difficult for the players who who do hit it far. But even more so than that, I think um, I'm not a, I'm not interested in penalizing people for elite performance. And I think if you have the capacity uh, to be able to hit a golf ball really far and you've worked at that and you're working with that underneath the current rules that stand, I, I'm not sure why we think about penalizing um, just because some people hit it farther than others. And so I, I don't like the rollback. I I hope it it doesn't happen.
0: So let's take that a half a step further. You you talk about uh, doing things to the golf course, right? I mean, one of the things that Tim also talked about is, you know, could you narrow the fairways, grow up the rough, maybe you put some stuff, you know in the fairways 320 330 340 out there to make them think about it kind of make it more of a risk reward kind of thing so is that is that the way that you would like to see us go is t- is talking more about how do we how do we make the the golf course as it is today not elongate it but keep it as it is today and mess around with rough size and that sort of thing to kind of counteract the you know the the idea that the bombers are always going to win
1: yeah I mean, I think you have to do it in a sustainable, in a sustainable way. I, I, don't, I know I don't advocate for just dumping more water on golf courses so that the rough grows longer, but maybe cutting cycles are different. Um, the bunkers are perfect uh, when I'm out on the PGA tour and the LPGA tour. They certainly weren't perfect um, in, in 20, 30 years ago. Um, right now, you can get spectacular lives out of bunkers, and most most players would prefer to be in a bunker. Um, then sometimes be around the greens in low-lying areas. So, you know, is there is there a way that we don't manicure those as well for tour players? Is there the opportunity to make the fairways more dry? I think people sometimes uh, misunderstand that. It, well, then people will just hit it farther. Most of these old-time golf courses, if it's that dry, the ball for a long hitter is going to bound, uh, out of bounds. Uh, it's going to hit that hard turf and and take off. And and you see that happening in U.S. Open. Do you see how they they don't keep the golf course at at perfect conditions and perfect height? I I just think that consumers um, that watch TV are used to seeing very, very green surfaces. And perhaps there's opportunities in certain events that choose to make it more difficult to score low, um, to change the look of those surfaces. I also think there's tournaments that I find it great fun to watch people make a ton of birdies and eagles. And I, I want to go out after that and try to make eagles and birdies myself. So, you know, I I'm all about the popularity of the game, getting more people to play the game, and then making the fan experience exciting and fun. And I, you know, I applaud those that have the ability to hit it way farther than I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Susie, if if the PGA and LPGA tours don't adopt the model local rule we get to August and there's like, you know what? We talked to our players. We're not doing it. What happens then between the PGA tour, the USGA and the RNA? It seems like now all of a sudden we're going to have some hurt feelings and uh, some upset folks. How do, how do we go on if they decide we're not doing it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not in governance anymore. So I can't really speak for those associations, but I can tell you that those associations are collaborating in a way amongst many facets of the game closer than ever. So I, I don't imagine that that there will be any, you know any kind of um, there may be a lot of conversation there may be a, a ton of meetings, but you know I'm here to tell you if that becomes the case I'm sure they will come up with an outcome that's advantageous for all
0: involved. Now that we know that you're going to be at the Augusta National Women's Amateur, I'm hoping what that means is once we get to next week or the following week, we're going to get to hear you broadcast the Masters Tournament. Is that the case? No,
1: I'm not doing it this year. I'm sorry to say, Chris, but.
0: (laughs) That's disappointing. I am
1: not, uh, well, well, I appreciate that very much, um, but I am here this week and then um, we'll be at the Masters the first part of the week. Um have a couple events that I'm doing uh, next week, but I will be listening in and watching just like you. All
0: right. So let me get your thoughts. When we look at the, what I feel like is potentially a new era, big three on the PGA tour. We've seen Scotty Scheffler, John Rom, Rory McIlroy, essentially back and forth with the world, you know, number one ranking over the last several months. It's like one week, it's one guy. Then the next week, it's the next guy. So those three guys, do you like them to be at the top of the leaderboard come late Sunday afternoon? Do you think somebody else could sneak in?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I can't count Scotty out, right? I, I had the opportunity to follow him closely last year and watch him play. He's obviously at the top of his game. Um, and just had an unbelievable performance there last year. But I certainly think that bodes well for him uh, coming into this year and the beginning of the season has been so incredibly strong. You know, I I think of a Cameron Young um, maybe sneaking in there. You know, we all, anybody that's involved in golf and has watched the Masters year in and year out understands the the nuances that they face uh, and the challenge they face. And you think about 11, 12, 13, that's what I always think comes to mind. Number nine just gives me fits. So <laughs> all those holes, um, but, but as you, as you think about the golf uh, there, I think obviously incredibly difficult to defend, but, you know, I also like a Xander Shoffley um, at the masters. Uh, certainly I'm going to keep my eye on JT, his ball striking the last couple of weeks, inclusive as at Valspar was undeniably top of the charts. He was second in ball striking, just really cold with the putter. And he's been hitting the golf ball tremendously well uh, the last few weeks. So I'm just not going to count out a a JT because if he can get the putter going um, again, I just believe that his ball striking is at a place where he will be very hard to beat if that putter is hot.
0: All right. So let me live vicariously through you. You say nine gives you fits. What's it been like for you when you played Augusta National? Well,
1: you know, I said that as if I played a lot, so let me retract. I have not played there a lot. <laughs> Let's just be clear. But the few times I have been honored to be invited to play there, um, number nine is this hole where you can, it just opens up. You finally get a chance to hit a great drive. You find the fairway most often on number nine, and then the second shot is dr- Dead up slope. So you know, people who haven't been there or, or have only seen it on TV, it's hard to describe the slope at Augusta National, but there is quite a bit of undulation there. And number nine happens to be a very steep second shot. And if you land anywhere on the first quarter of that green um, or short, you, you're all done. That ball is coming right down to your feet. So I, I have spent a lot of time at the right down at your feet area. <laughs> 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 and so. Yeah, number nine is not my favorite. I actually, you know, I get nervous even just watching it on television when people are playing it. You know how <laughs> you those butterflies in your stomach, and you're like, oh, no, here's that shot. So um, there will be a day I hope I get to play again and I can conquer number nine.
0: What's it like standing on the tee at 12?
1: You know, standing on the tee at 12, anybody that's studied the game, we all know we're supposed to hit it left of the bunker, Yes that front left green right that's just standard like you get up there it's not a long hole you're like what this is not a big deal it's kind of like going to the players right you're like this is not a big deal it's 100x yards and inevitably your brain just goes on complete like zero and you aim literally you think you're aimed where you're supposed to be aimed and then you bail out the ball starts careening over the bunker and then you watch it go into the water or The other time you play, you're like, well, that's not going to happen again. And you blow it over the backside of the green and make double from there. So number 12 is also incredibly, um, it it gives you you fits when you think about it at night.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great point because one of the things that I always find, I don't know, incredible, I scratch my head. In the final round on Sunday, that pin is on the right-hand side Mm -hmm. and guys still try to go at that pin. I mean I don't every- think they try to.
1: I really don't, Chris. I I, I think they everybody knows, right? I, everybody knows. I just think there's something about it that feels so short that I don't I can't speak for any of them. I can only really speak for me, but mid-swing, you're like, wait a minute, I can do this. And then you completely <laughs> tank. You completely tank. And I remember sitting on, I was on the 14th fairway when I could only hear the crowd when Jordan. Hit golf balls into that water. None of us really knew what was occurring, but you could hear this moan from the crowd repeatedly. And you know, when you're standing on that 12th tee, if you've been there and heard that, that unfortunately, that's the tape that plays in your head. You know, so yeah, I'm doing a very good job of telling people that I have mental strength when I play golf. But I'm here to tell you that Augusta just makes it all go away.
0: Is that right? Wow, it's just a hard
1: golf course, and I think the aura of Augusta National, the fact, the history. Um, you know, you're taking all that in as you're playing, and, and that it's certainly an honor to to have played it. But it it matters because you're trying so hard to perform well. And I think sometimes you can just get in your own way there.
0: Shortly after the Masters, we have the first major on the LPGA tour at the Chevron Championship, a five point one million dollar purse this year. Jennifer Cupcho is a defending champion. A couple other of the top U.S. women and Jessica Corder and Lexi Thompson both played really well last year in the tournament. Are you going to be there? And if so, what what are you expecting to see?
1: You know, I'm not going to be there, unfortunately, but it's a new venue for them. So I'm excited to to watch and to, watch, to see the play. Jennifer Kupcho played collegiately, not on the, my daughter's same team, but oftentimes same pairing. She played for Wake and my daughter played for UNC. So, you know, Jennifer's just such a strong player, long ball hitter, very composed, um, doesn't let her emotions get to her on the golf course, very even keel. So I would look for her to play well. Jin Young-Ko, of course, uh, always in it. And then Nellie Corda has to be a favorite. She's just such a long and strong ball striker. Um, So excited to watch.
0: Just a couple more before I let you go, Susie. and, And I had to the privilege of spending a few moments with you at the PGA merchandise show. Now that we're a few months north of that, uh, your reaction to what it was like this year? You know, the golf show
1: was incredible this year. I really wasn't sure how it would be because manufacturers golf is on such an uptick and and, and in a great way and an exciting way, but I wasn't sure that people would actually come to the show because everybody was doing so well. Um, but the show was better attended than it's been in years. It was unbelievable to be able to network and see friends in person um to be able to do business in person to share what's going on in my world and then to hear about what's going on in other professionals worlds you know that's why we're golf professionals we love to network we love to be with people we love the energy around the game the passion around the game so being a part of the golf show if you're not at the golf show and you love golf uh you're missing out
0: you mentioned your your daughter kelly a moment ago give us an update how's she doing
1: Kelly's doing great. She's still trying. She's going to work her way, I hope, someday onto that LPGA Tour. But man, the competition is so deep now in women's golf and exciting to watch. They're just such strong players. She's played on the Epson. She's played on the L.E.T. a little bit. She'll play some WAP Tour events, trying to get ready, uh, rolling into this fall uh, when tour school comes back around. So she's working really hard and um, we're always supportive of her and, and hope that she gets there.
0: Susie, I'm partnering with the LPGA Legends Tour to help promote their events and those great legends out there. I know you've played in a couple of those events. Are we going to see you out there this year?
1: Yeah, of course you're going to see me out there this year, but I hate that you call me a legend. <laughs> 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 That's like calling us a old. But at the end of the day, um, it, I, you know, it's so much fun. In fact, I ran into Pat Hurst today and uh, Pat Hurst was here at Augusta National at the Women's Am and it was really fun to chat with her and see what she's going to end up playing. And I think I'll probably see her at the BJ's Championship, which is one of the Legends events. So, um, yeah, it's just it's fun to be around uh, the women who literally were legends when I was playing on the LPGA tour. And Julie Angster still plays and Annika was my partner a couple of years ago at an event. So um, it's pretty cool. And, you know, I certainly hope it, it gets more fans and sees more success. So thank you so much for helping them promote that. Uh, many of these women are the reason I have the career I do. And it, many of the reason that the LPGA tour is so successful today.
0: Susie, before I let you go, remind our listeners again, how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether it's following you on golf nation online or on social media. Yeah. Head out
1: to golfnation.com. Take a look at our peak. Our app is coming out in about two weeks. So check us out there too. And then you can find me pretty much anywhere at Susie Whaley. So it's, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, um just be nice. Don't be a hater. Just be nice. <laughs> I love golf, and, and I might, I might comment and write you back.
0: There you go, Susie. Always a huge thrill to have you as part of this show. I hope we get the privilege of catching up with you sometime soon.
1: Yeah, pleasure, Chris. Thanks for everything you do for golf. Really appreciate it.
0: Take care, Susie. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon.
1: You bet. Bye bye.
0: See you, Susie. That's the great Susie Whaley, folks. It doesn't get better than that. She's a tremendous personality, a tremendous person, a tremendous player, and uh, becoming a really great broadcaster. I'm really disappointed that she's not going to be a part of the Masters broadcast this year. I enjoyed I enjoyed listening to her a couple of weeks ago as part of the broadcast. I enjoyed listening to her last year at Augusta National. Uh, just one of the great people that we have in our game, and i really looking forward to the opportunity to catch up with her sometime soon.